So I see my lovely bride has come in, so I'm guessing that's just about everybody. I'm Thad Lumsden from Worcester, Ohio. If you don't know me, there's probably no reason to. You were handed um, slips for a, a uh, survey of, of the forum. I'd encourage you if there's a, I haven't looked at them yet, but if there's a, an excellent or superior or I couldn't live without this forum, that would, that would be good. They'll double my pay. If I get really high marks, they, I don't get paid. The four G's of forgiveness. Um, for some reason, forgiveness is a problem for mankind. We have trouble with this. And it's not just when you're old or when you're young or if you're in leadership or not in leadership. Forgiveness is an issue. So we're going to take a look at this and explore this a little bit more today. But let's, let's start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as, as we have set aside some time to look at this topic of forgiveness, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will lead the discussion, that it wouldn't be my insights or my experience or any of that, but rather, Lord, that your word, your truth will be made very relevant for these young people. And Lord, I thank you for them, and I thank you for um, the path that you've put them on and the call that you've been giving to them some of whom have responded to that call, but others are still resisting. And I pray, Lord, that as we explore this topic of forgiveness, they will see the forgiveness that you've demonstrated and offered to them. And whether they're currently walking with you or not, that they would um, have a better understanding and be able to grasp and hopefully prayerfully accept the forgiveness that you've offered. Lord, I thank you for continuing to teach us. I thank you for your Spirit's guidance into the truth, and I thank you for your word which points directly to you. And it's all because of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So somewhere in this room probably is somebody who has experienced some conflict. I, I don't know who it is, but probably someone here has. And you've had to, to some degree, even if when you were little children, your parents said, go say you're sorry. And, and even in that is some aspect of forgiveness. The better understand, and I wish that at your age I would have had this kind of teaching because the, 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 as we explore God's word and the teaching from it, you'll see the truths and how they apply um, even throughout the world. The, the aspects of this aren't just for the Christian community, for the, the Christian walk, they're for our entire lives. And if I had known these things when I was your age, it would have made a big difference in many of the conflicts that have arisen in my life. Four G's of forgiveness. Jesus said, recorded Matthew 6.15, If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Does anybody know what this is following? Yes, the Lord's Prayer. In, in the Lord's Prayer, and probably all of you have said it by now, if forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, or depending on the, uh, the gospel you're looking at or the version that you read, and we say, Lord, forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's interesting because in that we're saying, Lord, I want your forgiveness, but time out. Watch how I forgive others and forgive me in the same way. For some of us, that's a pretty dangerous statement or, or a request. So the four G's of forgiveness. By God's grace, we must realize and live that conflict is an opportunity and not an accident. 
We must remember that success in God's eyes is not a matter of specific results, but of faithful, dependent obedience. And as Christians properly exercise forgiveness, we will show the world the gospel of Jesus played out in our hearts and in our lives. So the four G's of forgiveness. To glorify God, to get the log out of your own eye, to gently restore, and to go and be reconciled. So to glorify God. There's a, a, a training that I went to a couple of years ago called Pacemaker Ministries, and they, they, they put this information, some of this information together, and I, I borrowed from that um, for a lot of this. But they like these things of the, the G's. We're going to have seven A's later on. But um, to glorify God, it's interesting. An interesting point that they made is that um, glorifying God is an opportunity within a conflict. It's an opportunity to glorify God, to depend on and draw attention to God's grace, His unconditional mercy, His love, and the forgiveness and strength that come through Jesus. To glorify God is also to live at peace with those around us, our families, our schoolmates, our neighbors, um, those around us. To remember that I am carrying the name of Jesus and representing the Father. We call ourselves, some of us, Christians. We've got Christ's name right on us. And we're representing our Father in heaven. So to remember that, and then to act appropriately, is to glorify God. Or is a glory to God. In the glorifying God, we are to ask God to help us trust, obey, imitate, and acknowledge Him in the midst of a conflict. To guard against Satan's schemes and deceit which, of course, is designed to promote selfishness and incite conflict. James 1.14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's not somebody else. Lust in this isn't always uh, talking about a sexual reference. It's talking about the deep desires within us. The things that we really want down deep inside. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own deep desires and enticed. And we saw that in the garden when, when the, uh, the serpent, the cunning serpent, even said, uh, dangled that fruit in front of her and said, did God really say? And she saw that it was good. She looked upon the fruit and said, oh, that looks kind of tasty. That's different from everything else I've tasted. Hmm. I wonder, did God really say? She was drawn away of her own deep desires and enticed. James 4, 1 and 2. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Within each of us are deep desires. In you and in me, it's just part of our component. That's how God has made us, to have these deep desires. Well, if they're not in the right ways, if they are not handled properly, then we will be able to be drawn away, enticed, and it's going to cause that conflict. It's going to cause those times of, uh, of conflict and, and, and looking for the opportunities then that we need to exercise the forgiveness. Um, the, the war, the fights among us. So then using conflict as an opportunity to serve others. But see, in conflict is not the time that I really want to serve someone 
with whom I'm in conflict. But that's the perfect time from God's perspective. When someone has a conflict with me, when I have a conflict with them, when we're in the midst of that battle and it's not resolved yet, it's a wonderful time to pick up their plate in the dining room and take it to the... Can I take that for you? How would Jesus handle a conflict like that? Wouldn't he submit himself and, and humble himself and say, you know what, even though we have this disagreement, this conflict, I still want to serve you. Use conflict as an opportunity to serve others. Allow God to prune me of sinful attitudes, habits, and desires and help me be more like Christ. Conflict, look at all these opportunities to glorify God, to allow God to prune me of sinful attitudes, habits, and desires to help me be more like Christ. And in all of this, I need to be a faithful steward of myself, physically speaking, my emotions, my uh, thoughts, my um, attitudes, my resources, and the situation itself. So everything that is around me, I need to be a faithful steward. As a child of God, we are called to faithfully be stewards of whatever is entrusted to us, even this conflict. The graphics kind of cool. I like the the transitions and stuff and all the moving and stuff. But um, I, I was at a, a, someone's sermon a while back, um, and they had a, a PowerPoint with that. And, and it was really cool because they, they did this, and they moved this around, they brought this up and shrunk that back, and I don't remember what the sermon was about. The, the graphics are cool, but they could be distracting. Uh, most important, of course, is the, the teaching. I, I, I pray that that will, will be um, sinking in. So glorify God, get the log out of your own eye in this time of forgiveness and this opportunity, even if you were only 1% in the wrong. It's the other guy's fault. They are almost 100% responsible for this whole thing. But even if you are only responsible for 1% of this, you are still 100% responsible for that 1%. Even if they have done the enti- almost the entire amount of offense toward you, set it aside, focus on that 1% that you're responsible for. Even if it's only 1%. Even if you're only 1% of the wrong, you're still responsible for 100% of that. So in getting the log out of our own eyes, we need to handle that faithfully and then start to define the issues, personal and material. If... if um, my neighbor borrowed my lawnmower and hasn't returned it. Well, that would cause a conflict. That'd be a material issue. If it's personal, I heard that my friend was talking about me behind my back and saying things that I didn't want them to share. So it could be a personal issue, it could be a material issue. But define the issue. What is the real problem here? Why are we, is it because they slugged me? That could be it. Or it could be because of something else that precipitated the slug. Maybe it was because I said something causing them to slug me in return. So define the issues that cause the separation. And deal only with the issues which are too important to be overlooked, usually pers- personal issues first. If, if my neighbor swiped my, my uh, I'm sorry, borrowed my lawnmower and has not returned it and doesn't intend to return it, um, that's a material issue. But there's some other personal issues now associated with that conflict. And as, as we face, as I ideally would like to retrieve my lawnmower, more importantly, I needed to restore that relationship between me and my friend, my neighbor. And so dealing with the, the personal issues first are paramount. And then with the material issues afterward, 
Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Sometimes when someone does something to us, it's minor enough to just overlook. Just pause for a moment and say, they probably didn't mean it. They probably won't ever do it again. It's not that big of a deal. I know they said something, but it's not that big of a deal. I can overlook that. Similarly to how God overlooks some of our transgressions, right? If he held us accountable for every single thought that went through our mind and punished us every time we did something wrong, we would be in a, a, whole, lot of, well, a whole lot worse state than we are. Sometimes it is really good to just overlook an offense. We're human. We make mistakes. Sometimes we can't overlook it, especially if, if we know that what they have done is going to affect someone else or endanger the body of Christ or the name of the Lord and his reputation, we, we might have to say something, but, but not everything fits in that category. Sometimes things are just small enough, little enough, that we just overlook it, it's gone. So get the log out of your own eye by defining the issues, overlooking minor offenses, and correcting my attitude. Lord, I appreciate this conflict you've put me in, and I know that my heart probably isn't right. Though I, I think I'm fine, but there's probably something you're trying to teach me in this. So, Lord, what is that? What is my, is my attitude wrong? Show me and help me change. If I need to change my attitude, then please show me what that is and make that correction. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Reflecting again, how has God shown his forgiveness toward us? He demonstrated his love in that while we are still sinners, not when we deserved it, but while we were still the enemy, Christ died for us. That is the coolest thing I have ever heard. Not when I finally got good enough, not when I finally was acceptable to him, but while I was the enemy, while I, before I deserved anything from him, while I was working to the contrary, he loved me and every single one of you enough that before you deserved it, Jesus died and said, this gift is laid out before you. This forgiveness is available. All you have to do is accept it. And the same thing needs to be then reflected to those around us. So after considering our, our attitude, we need to consider the cost. So I had some kind of relationship, and now I'm in a, a conflict. Is this, what is the cost of this? What is this costing them, me, um, our family, the church, the neighborhood, the community? What, what is the cost of this? If it's just material, it's just a stupid lawnmower. Get another lawnmower. But if it's a relationship that is, is being affected, if it's a family member, what is the cost of a separation between a brother and a sister for years or generations? It's enormous. Consider the cost. It can be very great. So consider the value of that. What is, the, what is this costing me and everybody else who's associated with this conflict? Do we have rights? To some degree, yes. But utilize my rights only, not, not to benefit myself, but only to advance God's kingdom, to serve others, and to grow to be like Christ. Sometimes it is appropriate to exercise our rights. Other times, as a servant of the Lord, we can make ourselves available to be doormats. Yes, walk over me, that's okay. I'm not here to exercise my rights. I'm... I can be trampled on, that's fine. That's part of my service to you. If you want to trample on me, that's fine. But wait a second. I'm going to hold you accountable and exercise my rights if I, it will advance God's kingdom because 
everything is about him, as we heard Sunday night. Monday night? Sunday night, yeah. To advance God's kingdom, to serve others, and to grow to be like Jesus. So correct my attitude, and it's all his fault. But Lord, my heart needs some work too. I know I'm not perfect. So show me where I need to change. Show me the, the heart issues that, that need to be addressed and, and how I need to repent from that. Examine my own heart. So glorify God. The whole opportunity is to give us a chance to glorify God, then to get the log out of our own eye, and then to gently restore. If, if you take a look through Scripture with this perspective of, of God wanting to restore His relationship with us when we have offended Him, and um, the relationship between uh, man and man, or man and woman, or, or woman and woman, and the or parent and child, or employer and coworker, or employer employee and coworkers and stuff. Restoration. God keeps bringing us back. There will be separation. There will be division. There will be conflict. But restore. Come back together. Why? Because in that, again, God is glorified. He likes to heal. He likes to bring back together. These are things that are, are common to God's character. So gently restore. Pray for the right opportunity and the courage to confess my sin or show him his fault. It may not be on the spot. When the conflict arises to just get up in his face and say, I want to confess to you that I have done... That's not maybe the right thing to do. But pray, ask the Lord, Lord, please prepare this situation, prepare my heart, and prepare his heart, so that, and the the time period, so that we can get together and I can confess to him my aspect of this, and perhaps even show him what his fault, what his, in case he hasn't accepted what you're revealing to him. Lord, make that opportunity come about. I want to put this in your hands, and I'm going to be looking for it, and I want you to show me, but I pray, Lord, that you will provide that opportunity, and then give me the courage, because I'm kind of afraid of this situation. This conflict really hurt me, and I don't really want to go through this, but I know that I need to, and I know that's good for me and for him, but give me the courage to confess my sin and or show him his fault. Sometimes it's not always best to go directly to the person or not, not always um, even available to go directly to the person. And, and we might have to work through someone else. But the goal is always for face-to-face. Because if we can get face-to-face, that's when you can read body language, you can look into the other person's eyes, which is, uh, as some have said, a, a window to the soul. You can see more deeply into them. So we want to strive for face-to-face. When can you and I sit down? We need to talk. I really want to set this straight. When can we sit down? Um, And I will strive for face-to-face, but sometimes, please tell them, please tell them that I desperately want to talk with them. And I want to confess to them my my issues and, and work that out. In this confession, in seeking forgiveness, this is an important one, and it also reflects how we handle our confession to the Lord. So I, I want to cover these points. The seven A's of confession. Address everyone involved. My son Micah is sitting over here, and, and he, uh, if he and I had a, a, a very private conflict, and we had to, um, I had to confess to him my, my, 
my fault in that conflict. I would go to him and off to the side very quietly, not publicly, I, I'd very quietly without embarrassing him or myself just deal with it between the two of us. But if, if I publicly embarrassed him like I'm doing right now, I would probably need to address everyone involved because now all of you are part of this issue. And if, if someone else came in here and I had a conflict with them in front of all of you, I wouldn't take him then and back and say, you know what, I confess to you and I, I'm, I really, I'm really sorry and I, we need to deal with this and I, I want your forgiveness. I don't want to do that because then the rest of you are wondering, well, what happened? And, and thoughts will be lingering and you, you won't be going through the same process of forgiveness that we just resolved in the back. So address everyone involved. Don't address any more than you have to, but certainly not less than is appropriate either. Address everyone involved. When confessing, avoid if, but, and maybe. Well, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. If you took offense, don't, don't use the word if, because then you're not taking ownership of it. You're saying, Perhaps you saw this the wrong way. I didn't do anything wrong, but perhaps you, and you're putting the blame on them when you say if. So avoid if. Instead, take ownership of it. Avoid but. Well, I know that I hurt you, but I was only trying to, or I know that I, I said something bad about you, but all I was doing was, then you're trying to justify yourself. So avoid if, but, and maybe. Because none of those take real ownership of it. Instead, claim it as what you've done. I, I have blown it. I really messed up. I have sinned against you. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Imagine talking to God and saying, Lord, if I have done something against you today, if I have somehow sinned, I, I ask that you forgive it. You think he'd really appreciate that? Now, if you, if you sin against God, he wants you to take ownership and say, admit it, you blew it. Lord, I, I know that I sinned against you today, but I was only trying to... He wouldn't accept that. Or, or maybe I did something wrong today. I don't know. Admit specifically what you have done in this conflict. When you are confessing, admit specifically. See, this, this term in the Greek of confession is, is a... Um, it's kind of like a courtroom term. It's not... It's not when the charges are brought against you that you say, yeah, I was caught stealing, so yeah, I guess I did it. That's not the confession or admitting that they're talking about. They're saying confession actually means to come into agreement with. To come into agreement with. So when you confess, you are saying, you are wrapping your mind somehow around the fact that I have done this, what I am accused of. I have done what is being laid against me. This is something that I have done. And again, taking ownership. I did this. So admitting specifically what you have done. Acknowledge the hurt. Because I have done this, because I was saying something behind your back, I know I hurt you. I caused you pain. Acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge that you have wounded someone with your words or your actions. Acknowledge the hurt. And sometimes there are consequences that are associated. And, and this might damage then our friendship forever. I, I understand that. And if that's the case, I, I regret it, but I, I accept it. Or if you don't want to ever speak to me again, if that's the consequence, again, I, I deeply regret it. 
But if that's the cost, I accept the consequences. I accept the consequences. See, with, with God, when we confess to him, a lot of times we're looking to get out of the consequences of our sin. Oh, Lord, I did something so stupid, and I confess to you that I did that. Can you please remove that so I don't have to deal with that? We ask that all the time. It's one of the reasons the abortion industry is so big. They're trying to get rid of the consequences of bad decisions most of the time. Accept the consequences. The wages of sin is death. There is a consequence for sin. So if we have made a mistake, if we have sinned, accept the consequences. Perhaps the Lord will remove them. He's very generous and kind. But accept the consequences. And then alter your behavior. I know I have done this. I accept the consequences. I'm going to change. You will see that because I regret so much what I have done, I will change. By God's grace, with his strength, I will change. You will not see me do this ever again. I will change. And then specifically ask for forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? To, to ask that specifically, not just say I'm sorry, but to say, would you please forgive me? Asking for forgiveness is extremely important. And, and the response in that, sometimes they will say, I forgive you. Sometimes they'll just kind of blow, oh, I wasn't, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. wait, please forgive me. Because you're bringing them into this, this understanding that you're growing in of, of God's forgiveness to you and how you need to uh, share it with others. But then God won't do that with us, right? When we say, Lord, please forgive me, he doesn't say, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he says, I do forgive. And to appreciate that forgiveness um, with them and insisting on, on their response, they may not offer that forgiveness, that's true, but ask for it. Let it be in their court. Then they have a choice to make. But in as much as it's up to you, live at peace with all men. You've done what you're supposed to do. And it's then up, up to them. Ask for forgiveness. Has anybody here seen the movie Fireproof? A few of you. It, it's from several years ago. But it was a fairly well done movie. Um, great points. Great teaching through that. This is a clip from that. Where he has, he has had a conflict with his wife. I think his name is Caleb. He's had a conflict with his wife, and he, uh, he got very verbal with her. Almost, he, Caleb scared her because as he was yelling in her face, she looked like she was terrified, like, he's going to strike me. And, and it just blew up, and you could see the anger. Every muscle in him was tense, and he was just furious. His neck was bulging and all kinds of stuff. Afterward, then he comes somewhere down through the movie. He comes to her. And she's in bed crying and stuff, and he, he addresses her and uh, is, uh, well. Welcome to the new normal. You didn't want to do this at first, did you? No. But halfway through, I realized that I did not understand. And once I understood that. Good. I want to believe that this is real. I'm not going to take it. I trust you. But whether you ever reach that point, I need to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so sorry for the past seven years, trampled on with my words and trouble.
I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I have never had before. And I have asked him to forgive me. And I am hoping, I am praying that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. I do not want to live the rest of my life without you. So how should Catherine respond? Anybody need a Kleenex? I tear up just about every time I see this. Because this is, this is uh, sincere. And this is real. And as he acknowledged, seven years verbally and physically I have trampled on you. And he admits his selfishness. How should she respond? Oh, Caleb, it's fine. (laughs) No, rather, sincerely, she should say, and I think she goes on to say, I'm not ready to trust you yet. But she should forgive him. Even if the trust isn't restored yet, forgiveness should be granted. Trust can be rebuilt. But... A forgiveness granted then allows them to move on to the next step. There was a, a young lady in Worcester that I, I had a conflict with. I found out about it. I didn't even realize I had done anything. But when I found out, I, I went to her, and her husband was there and, and a, a co-minister of mine. And, and we, um, as we were talking, I, 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 I pointedly asked her, is there something that I have done that needs to be addressed? Are we Okay. And she said, no, there is a problem. And she went on for a few minutes to tell me about it. And, and I responded kind of like Caleb and, and those seven A's of confession. And I, I did most of that. And, and I said, you know, I, I didn't even realize this, but I, I can see that I have hurt you. And I went through and I, I specifically, the whole process, and I said, would you please forgive me? And her husband sitting there watching this whole thing, shot his head around to her as if to say, why the delay? You should be forgiving him right away. This was perfect. And she, she paused for a long time and said, I will, but not yet. That's not really the right, not the perfect response, but at least she, she acknowledged that she will forgive. And, and Chris, uh, Catherine here will too. And, and their marriage does take a change. But see, the humility that he showed in that And that humility needs to be wrapped up in this whole aspect of forgiveness. So glorify God, get the log out of your own eye, gently restore. We've talked about the pray for the right opportunity and the courage, even if I need to work through others. But now express and confirm confession, repentance, and forgiveness. These are gospel terms, right? These are things that are wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus. And we've heard it since childhood, how how Christ died for our sins. Uh, He's offered us... If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The repentance, if we turn around and start walking the other direction, there's value in that, and God honors that repentance, and the forgiveness is right there. It's a gospel. And we're living it out as we're going through this process of forgiveness. When I find someone that has something against me, 
I will go to them and discuss it, even if I don't feel I have done anything wrong. I haven't blown it. I haven't done anything wrong. It's their fault. They blew it. But if I find that someone has something against me, I will go to them and discuss it. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Has anybody been to the altar recently? We don't do that so much anymore physically, but the, any offering that we are trying to um, give the Lord, whether it be an act of service or kindness or a teaching or um, a sharing of something, if, if we find that someone has something against us, it's very appropriate to stop and say, wait a second, I need to go deal with that first, and then I can come back and offer the gift. Because that, that conflict corrupts the gift. It doesn't completely in, uh, take away the value of it, but it corrupts it. It adds some corruption to it. It makes it less valuable. And in some cases, it, it could completely invalidate the gift that is being offered. Glorify God. Get the log out of your own eye. Gently restore and then go and be reconciled. So when someone has wronged me, I will ask God to change their heart. No, to change my heart. So that I want to forgive them. You've certainly been in the same situation I have where, where someone wrongs us and I don't want to forgive them. I have no interest in that. I don't, I don't, they hurt me so badly. I don't want to forgive them. But see, again, it's not about us. It's all about God. And he's not glorified in that response at all. Rather, Lord, please change my heart because I can see the bitterness that is in there. I can see the animosity I have toward them. I can see that I'm not reflecting you and your love. So change my heart, please, so that I want to forgive them, so that I have the, that desire within me. And when I get to that point, then when I can do that, then when I forgive, with God's help, I will First, not dwell on this incident. We've all, all heard it said, forgive and forget. And most of us know that we can't really forget. But see, in, in Hebrews, I don't know if I have that slide up there. No. In, in Hebrews, um, twice, I think it's um, quoting Jeremiah, where God says, um, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. So it's not a forgetting, it's a remembering no more. When, when I'm in a conflict, I, I find over and over again, that, that the, the conflict itself plays through my mind. And I keep going through it. I keep replaying it over and over again through that conflict. And the words and how I should have responded or how I could have responded or, or the whole thing, and it just keeps going, going on an endless loop, like an eight-track tape. But, but saying, not dwell on this incident, I will remember it no more. God says, I will not bring it back to my memory. I will not ponder on this. I will not think about it anymore. This is not something that I will dwell on. And so I, reflecting God's forgiveness and his, the way he forgives me, I will not dwell on this incident. So when I forgive someone, when I forgive you, I will not dwell on this incident. It will not come, when it comes to mind, I'll push it off. That's not something that I will exercise. I will not think about it. I'll put it aside. It'll come back to my memory again, and again, I'll push it off. It's not something that I will do. I will not dwell on this incident. 
nor will I bring it up and use it against you. Two years down the road, but I remember when you... No, because you're forgiven, you will not hear those words come out of my mouth. I will not bring it up or use it against you. And I will not talk to anyone else about this incident. It doesn't exist. It's gone. It is forgiven. Just like God forgives us. He doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't go around talking to others about it. You know what Thad did? And he doesn't use it against me. And that's how we are supposed to reflect it into the lives of of others. Likewise, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. When I forgive, it'll be a clean slate. This will not affect our relationship in the future. Okay, I forgive you, but we're going to have all these safeguards up now and we're going to be treading on thin ice for a long time. No, when true forgiveness wipes that clean, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. The answer, as always, is Jesus only. Now, the secular psychologist of the day will tell you that the answer is within you. If you, deep down, if you go deep enough within yourself, you will find the truth, you will find the answers. The answer is not there. The answer is outside of us, it is in Jesus, who by the Spirit lives now within us as Christians. That's where forgiveness is. The answer is in Jesus only. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord, where where your walk is right now. I'm not sure it, it matters on this principle. Of course it matters in reality, but even as... Christ has forgiven you and offered this forgiveness to you. And perhaps for, for years he's been offering and you've been snubbing it and pushing it aside and saying, it's not that important to me, it's not that important, but you know better. And as we have conflicts with one another then, even as Christ forgave us, so also we should do toward one another. So also do ye. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Because if we struggle with forgiveness, is that true? If we struggle with forgiveness, who of us does not struggle with forgiveness? But see, it goes back to Christ and the forgiveness that he offers us. The love that he demonstrated in saying this forgiveness is for you, it is right there. And as the picture in the background of the previous slides was showing, there were two hands holding a stone that said forgiveness on it. What is the proper response? You can clench it up and hold it and keep that forgiveness for yourself. But thankfully, God did not do that toward us. Instead, he, it's being presented. Here, I'm giving this to you. Then the ball, so to speak, is in our court. How do we respond to that? And it's right there. All you have to do is grasp it. As Christ has forgiven us, so we should forgive one another. And if we struggle with forgiveness, it is because we do not properly appreciate the forgiveness we have received. So then, as people, 
reconciled to God by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are called to respond to conflict in a way that is remarkably different from the rest of the world. It also seems clear that conflict provides us an opportunity to glorify God, to serve others, and to grow to be like Christ. Romans 8.28, many of us here have that memorized, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. All things? Even conflict? Not some things. Not most things, but all things work together for good. Why? How? Because of verse 29, Romans 8.29, to conform us to the image of His Son. See, and those of us who have started down that path of of following the Lord and committing to Him, we, we know that we sometimes slip, struggle, trip along that path. And as, as, his, as his forgiveness is demonstrated in, in our lives, and we see that, that that hand is still right there to grab us and help us back on that path. Instead of God saying, whoa, yeah, you did slip. No, I'm not touching you anymore. That same forgiveness we need to demonstrate toward one another. And extend it. It's an opportunity for God to be glorified, to serve others, and to grow us to be more molded into the image of Christ. And conflict can and should do that with each of us. Yes, Lord, you gave me another conflict. I'm so excited about that. That's not necessarily the way that we always respond, but it could be. Lord, I don't like this situation. It's very uncomfortable. But I know that in this, you can be glorified, and I want that to happen. So, Lord, if my heart needs to be changed, if you need to correct my attitudes, if you need to expose some sin that I need to deal with, that's good. Lord, mold me into the image of Christ. Therefore, glorify God. Get the log out of your own eye. Gently restore and go and be reconciled. Because the forgiveness we show directly displays a level of appreciation for the forgiveness forgiveness we have received from the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus. And if we neglect to appreciate the forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus, it's, it's like diminishing his sacrifice. Questions, comments, thoughts. What do you what do you think? Yes. So those who couldn't hear, if I if I misstate it, please correct me. But um, a friend has a, an incident with a, a man in her life that that has happened, and and though the forgiveness may not have been uh, fully given. Uh, it's standing in. The, is this a marriage, or are, are you talking like a rape situation? Okay. Um, see, the the forgiveness I think is appropriate, but certainly now some barriers. If if there's someone in church who was a, like a a child molester, can you forgive them? Yes, but there's still some consequences that have to be in place. And in that case, um, some consequences, maybe some legal action might be appropriate, um, but. Um, in her heart, she needs to be able to f- offer that forgiveness. And, and how to get past that is a very difficult thing. I cannot imagine how to deal with that. But, but to remind her of the forgiveness that she has received 
um, and be a- able to put that aside. Because the, the conclusion of the matter is to, to get to a point that they should never be alone together again. He should never be given that opportunity. And again, like I said, maybe some legal action is appropriate. Um, but in her own mind, uh, if she does not properly forgive, then this will be plaguing her for the rest of her life. So this forgiveness needs to be experienced. It needs to be exercised, and she needs to grow in that. And that's, that's going to be very difficult for her to do. I know that. So I'm glad she has a friend like you to walk alongside of her and guide her and coach her in that and say, wait a second, let's take a look again, take a look again at the forgiveness that God gave and see if there's anything else that we need to do in your heart, maybe even my own, so that we can um, pursue this forgiveness together. That's an extremely difficult one. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you. There's another hand back here. So, can you give a little bit more specific of the situation? Um, it's not like a specific situation, it's just like, like if someone does you wrong and um, you never really uh, have the conversation on okay. And so if they don't come to you and say, oh, I have offended you and would you forgive me, right. should you still be able to forgive them? Um, I would go to the example of Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not a one of them I, that I know of asked him for that forgiveness, yet it was granted anyway. So yeah, sometimes there are some who will say that no forgiveness needs to be requested before it can be offered. And I, I'm not one of those that, that agree with that. I, I think we need to be able to be very liberal. Because again, Father, forgive me the way I forgive others. If I'm very generous with my forgiveness, I fully trust that he will be generous with his forgiveness too. If I'm stingy, I'm asking him to be stingy toward me. Is that an appropriate answer? Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. Kind of a follow-up to that question. If they do and they're Great question. Should you always confront somebody if, if they have wronged you? My answer to that is not always. Because sometimes God doesn't need our help. And he wants to take care of it some other way. I had an instance um, several years back when a church leader had wronged me. And I went to him once. It didn't go well. I went to him a second time. It went even worse. And I, it still was on my heart. Man, I really need to... He needs to be corrected. He needs to be straightened out. He needs to restore his walk with the Lord in a proper manner. And God finally got through to me somehow. Maybe he should have taken a two-by-four upside the head or something. Sad, I don't need your help. I'll take care of it. Wait a second, God. I'm right here. I, I can just go talk to him for you. But no, he was saying, stop it. I don't need you. Let me deal with it. He's my child. I'll take care of it. That was really hard for me. So not always. So, a general rule that I, I've, I've heard and appreciate is a, call, a recognition of a need is not always a call. Just because you see a need... I mean, we have missionaries here this week, and we see the need over there, over, overseas, and what a great work they're doing, but that doesn't mean that I'm called to go there. It might be that I'm called to support. It might be that I'm called to do something else. But the recognition of a need is not always a call. So in, that, in cases like that, yes and no. It could be. It might not be. Does that make sense? Yep. Good. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes.
Is there ever a point when somebody uh, is, is wronging us and we forgive them and we go through that process, the relationship's restored, they do it again, they do it again, they do it again. They, they never seem to get it right. And we keep forgiving them up to 70 times 7 or whatever the, the text says. <clears throat> I'd probably think that if, if it's a situation where it will start to affect other people, like what they're doing to me, if they do it to someone else, you can do it to me all day. Don't do that to them. If it's degrading the church, if they claim to be a Christian and they're not representing the Lord well or degrading the church, stop it. We need to correct this now. I want to work with you. I love you. I appreciate you. You've, you've hurt me many times, but I'm not holding that against you. That's fine. But now you're doing it to someone else, and that's a big deal. Does that make sense? Okay. Anyone else? Uh-huh. Okay, so something has happened in the past, a long time ago, and now it's, it's still on your heart, and you're thinking, I really want to request forgiveness. Is it worth going back to and dealing with? You say they have forgiven you? Or you don't know? Okay. Uh-huh. Sometimes. I, I, I don't know the exact situation, so I don't know. Because sometimes... Um, because there are some cases where the person won't even remember it, or it, it was so insignificant to them, even though it was huge to you, they, they don't even know about it. So it's, in that case, it's not valuable to go back to them, and you and the Lord deal with it yourself. Um, but in other cases, it could still be troubling them to some degree. And, and the humility that you show in going back to them and, and throwing yourself at their mercy and asking their forgiveness, um, confessing your sin to them, um, could be extremely healing. So may the Lord give you discernment in that. Um, if, if you've asked for forgiveness and you can see that they haven't really forgiven and there's still some lingering bitterness, how do you deal with that? Do you go back and, and try some more or what? Um, in a case like that, it, in as much as it's up to you, live at peace with all men, says Romans 12. So um, again, discernment might be an appropriate thing there. It could be that the Lord is still working in their heart and it's not time. It could be that um, it does need to be addressed. It could be that what you get, received for, um, asked for forgiveness for the first time um, wasn't the real problem. There was something else that, that still needs to be addressed. And you, the Lord may be de- um, showing you in your own heart or eventually uh, de- show that to you, reveal that to you, that you need to um, confess something else and say, wait a second. We dealt with this before, so that's not the issue, but there was something else, maybe a deeper level, maybe another issue, maybe something else. Or it could just be them, and the Lord isn't done working with them yet. And some people resist the Lord's work, of course. I mean, we do that too. But uh, we, can't always, we can't guarantee their response. We just need to be faithful in what we offer. I hope that helps some. Okay. Anyone else? A godly way to cut ties with someone who's, who's wounding you. Um, is this something that, it, I, again, I don't know the scenario, but if, if this is something you can be, that can be done one-on-one, then um, that would be the best way to, to go to them and say, 
to share the gospel with them and say, you're, you're caught inflicting a lot of pain and we, we, this just can't continue because I, the most important thing in my life right now is my walk with the Lord. And, and you're not helping that. And I, I'm very sorry to say, I love you. And I wish it would change, but, but as things are, it can't continue. I have to focus on my walk with the Lord. Join me. Join me in that. I want to bring you along because this walk is, is so exciting, so invigorating. I love this walk with the Lord. Come alongside with me and I'll help you. But if not, it just can't continue. I can't do it. It hurts too much. But then again, like Matthew 18, um, you go to them first and if that doesn't work, maybe take someone else. If you don't find the strength within yourself to be able to, to, make the, to sever that, um, bring someone else and say, you know what, or two or three, and, and bring them alongside and say, I need some help here, and I really want to sever this relationship. I think that's best, but maybe you can help. It, that could be daunting, though, because it, it's, in numbers they may feel threatened, and that, that might not be good either, but I don't know. That's hard because... Jesus hung out with fishermen and tax collectors and people who were not godly men, yet he was able to remain godly. And I think that to some degree that, that's true of us too, but to a point. There is also a time then to, to step away and say, um, my path is this way and yours is that way, and it's just they don't align. That's just how it is. I, hope, I, I pray that someday you'll join me, but I don't know. That, that's a difficult situation. Anyone else? We're, we're just about out of time. If you're a book reader, I encourage you to, to take a look at this um, book by uh, Ken Sandy, The Peacemaker. He, um, he, he, this, this information came from him and his uh, ministry, The Peacemaker Ministries, um, loosely. Uh, but uh, it, it's good. He, he started the biblical counseling movement um, many years ago. And, and biblical counseling is different than um, psychology or psychiatry in, in which they are, their, their whole bent is focused on man and the solutions in your past. This is looking more at man as, as God has created him and how man has fallen and solutions from Scripture and from God. So the focus is different. Instead of looking into self, it's looking more into God and aligning ourselves with his character. So... Um, I encourage that. And uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 is a favorite verse of mine, fitting very well with our theme. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness out of, in the fear of God. So in conclusion, I want to ask you, what, what is the fear of God? Anyone know? What is the fear of God? What does that mean? Does uh, somebody grab their Bible? Read Proverbs eight thirteen. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. See, the absence of of that is then the holiness of God. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. That's something that as Christians we need to develop. We need to properly fear God to hate evil. I despise evil. See, rather today's Christian community tends to toy with evil. Not so bad. I can allow this. I can permit that. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because I hate evil so much, that pushes me then more 
into that holiness, perfecting, completing, maturing holiness in the fear of God. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing, amazing God, alive and loving and so holy. And Lord, the challenge that you have given your children is to walk in that holiness. And that includes accepting your forgiveness and then demonstrating to others. Lord, we don't deserve any of this experience. We have done everything we possibly can to exclude ourselves from you and from your love. Yet you still reached out to us to draw us to you, saying, Thad, I know you blew it. I know you messed up. I know that you're imperfect and filthy with sin, but I love you. And so this extension of forgiveness is is to you, Thad. Accept it, please, because I want to be right with you. And I want to lead you in the way that is everlasting. I want to lead you in this life of abundance. And I want to show you peace and rest, which can only be found in Jehovah. And Lord, this, we confess, is all made possible only because of Jesus and his sacrifice. The only way we have access to you is in his name, and it is in his name we pray. Amen.